0: Welcome to The Corporate Coven, a podcast that explores the intersection of mysticism and the modern workplace. On this show, we discuss how to bring your spiritual craft and practice into the workplace. We'll talk to people who have found ways to include ritual and spirituality into their everyday work, and hear from experts on the topics of how to stay spiritually connected while managing the demands of the modern workplace. Our host, Jessica, is a certified career counselor, HR outlaw, and vocational astrologer. If you've ever wondered how to bring your spiritual practice into the workplace, this podcast is for you. Join us as we radically transform workplaces to be a little more magical. What's up, witches? I am going to be talking in this episode about a few things that requires me to offer a disclaimer. Number one, anything that I talk about in this episode is my personal experience. This is not me promoting or encouraging anybody to engage in any activity. And... This is also going to be me sharing my personal journey. I'm going to share some things which are rather vulnerable. And I'm sharing them because someone asked me on my Instagram to share more about this. And also because it was a really meaningful experience for me. And it changed a lot. It changed a lot for me. It was a big part of my healing. It was a big part of how I find myself in the situation I do now, some of my values, it was a moment of total realignment. And I bear permanent scarring after I had this experience. So just know that going into it. And I would ask you that if you are going to move forward and listen to this episode, that you do so with an open mind and an open heart And that if this is not the episode for you to just allow that to be okay and go find one of my other ones. Some of the things that I talk about in my business, you know, I'm a vocational astrologer. I'm a career development expert. I'm an HR person. These are things that I know how to do and skill sets that I offer for people. And things that I talk about that I'm really passionate about that have inspired my work and influenced my work, as well as my spirituality, my craft, my belief system, um, things that I study, environments I expose myself to, etc. One of the things I talk about is the integration, or I say the reintegration of the divine feminine energy into workplaces, what my journey has been embodying my own feminine nature, being okay with my gender, and kind of healing from misconceptions that I had about what it meant to be a woman, to be feminine in particular. And I also talk about plant medicine because I like it. And I've posted a few reels and TikToks and content lately where I've been talking about the reintegration of feminine energy, psychedelics, and I had someone leave me a comment or a question on one of my videos and they asked, what were the psychedelic experiences and how did they help heal an excess of masculine energy? So that's what I'm going to be talking about. If this is something you're interested in and curious about, I would love to not feel alone in this. Please let me know in my DMs on this episode, connect with me in my socials. Um and if this is not your episode, I want you to know that that's okay and this doesn't have to be your episode. I have a lot of other content out there. I will talk a little bit about astrology, I'm going to talk a little bit about ancestral healing. I'm going to talk about some career development techniques that I've used to help with this because believe it or not your fourth house and your ancestry and lineage have a lot to do with your career this was a very spiritual and sacred experience for me which is why i was hesitant to share and i'm doing so because i believe that others will find real value in this so again if this is not for you it's not for you right But if you're here and this is something that you're curious to hear more about, thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to this episode again with an open mind and an open heart. I'll try not to belabor this. I do feel like it's valuable to consider a little bit of context. For me, I grew up in a Christian based faith wherein, at the time of my youth, There was a strong belief that the greatest calling a woman might have in this lifetime is being a mom, that there was nothing more important than bringing babies earthside and raising them to be good people. And while this was happening, I was raised by an amazing mom. I was raised by a mom who all she ever wanted was to be a mom. And so she was very invested in me and in my siblings. I think from the outside looking in, I had a very good, I mean, and I did, I had a very good life. I had a very privileged life. And, uh, you know, I'm still going to find something to be upset about. And I did. I really struggled with um, not being a boy. I really struggled with not being a boy. I didn't want to stay at home. I didn't want to be around kids. I in fact did not enjoy being around my siblings. Um they probably did not enjoy being around me either because I had a really bad attitude about it. I didn't want that. And I wanted to do things like speak publicly. I wanted to travel. I would watch my dad leave for work in the morning and he would come home with these incredible stories of the people he met and the places he, you know, was, and he, sometimes he would work overnight and he would tell me about, you know, he would, he would be out in the middle of nowhere, just like watching the wildlife at night. And he just seemed to have the coolest life. Plus in the religion that I grew up in, which was pretty important, you know, in my formative years, this is how I start orienting myself in the world around me. Right. The religion that I grew up in, Yes, it was incredible to be a woman because you got to be a mother. But if you were a man, you got to be in charge of things. If you were a man, then you got to be in meetings all the time. And I wanted to be in meetings more than I could even tell you. I wanted to feel like I had, well, I shouldn't say I, I wanted to feel like I always felt like I had something really important to say. And I wanted someone to listen to me. And I didn't want children to listen to me. I wanted adults to listen to me. I really, really wanted adults to hear me. And so I had what Freud might refer to as penis envy. I really, really wanted to be a boy. I've shared before that. I actually posted a story about this on my TikTok as well. I found this shirt that I wore in high school while I was at my parents recently. And it's a beautiful color on me. So I I took it. Now I wear it again. Um, Full circle. Trends are coming back, right? But it triggered this memory where I was on debate and whenever it would be time to compete and go to competitions, I would want to dress in like pantsuits. I just thought blazers and like nice slacks were so sexy. Like they were so cool and I wanted to look powerful. I wanted to look like I had authority. I wanted to look like someone that you should listen to, right? Cause my dreams were coming true. I was in a room filled with people whose job was just to sit there and listen to me speak. And my debate coach gave me feedback And he said, you know, I want to I want you to dress more feminine, like wear skirts, wear heels. I did have heels, but he said, you know, look like a woman, like look like a girl. Now, in 2023, this is like ludicrous to say out loud, like people would be hearing this and just probably losing their minds. Take yourself back to, you know, the early 2000s. And consider for a moment that this was very harmless and I didn't feel like he was being aggressive to me. I didn't feel like he was being unkind. I didn't feel like he was doing anything inappropriate. This was a coach that was well-loved by every single student and would just take you under his wing and really mentor you and take care of you no matter who you were or what you were dealing with at the time. So um, he offered me this feedback and I knew that he was really trying to help me. He wanted me to be competitive. He wanted me to win And I still really rejected this. I really rejected this feedback because I had this belief that women were not taken seriously. Everyone knew women didn't have anything important to say. And I wanted the opposite of that. So I wanted to present more masculine. I also had this thing where I was never quite sure that I wanted to have children, right? I, I loved, I actually really liked kids. I liked babysitting. I, I taught dance to young children in my church. I taught classes to young children and I still really love being around kids, but committing to being a mom was really hard for me because I was career driven. I really, really wanted to be successful in my career. Again, I, I felt like I had really important things to say. And so this was a difficult thing for me to navigate. Well, and I promise the psychedelics is going to come in soon. Okay. I do promise. This is the important context that you need to understand kind of where I was when I had the psychedelic experience. So when I moved to Colorado and I began my master's program, one of the counseling techniques that was taught to me was career genealogy. Now, in the religion that I grew up in, family history and genealogy is a really important practice. We have family history books which claim to trace our lineage all the way back to Adam and Eve. Like, <laughs> it goes all the way back. Um, but like, you care deeply about like your ancestors and. Uh, Anyways, so, so this was an, not an unfamiliar concept, but one that I was like, you know, I, I don't know that I'll ever use this with people, but then I had my experience with it, you know, in counseling programs, when you are learning new techniques, you have to practice those techniques. And so you do that with students around you. And so I was in session with one of my girlfriends in my master's program. She was doing courage genealogy with me. And I decided to do the topic like. I don't know if I want children. I think that I do because I love kids and I love the idea of having a family and I find myself really challenged to make this decision. We did some career genealogy where you map out your family history, but you do it with the lens of what were their careers, what were their professions. And in my family, there were so many women who were strictly mothers, strictly moms. That's all they wanted to do. That's what they did do. That was their job. That was the, I don't want to say it was their sole identity because I did not know them that well, but from my perspective, that's what they were. That's what they did. They were somebody's mom. And if they were not that, then they were in careers or jobs that was centered around their children. Kind of like my mom, my mom had other jobs, but it was always based on what me and my siblings were doing. She was a very devoted mother to us or there were nurses, there were caregivers. And we had talked about how this value of being a mom was really prominent in my family and how that was influencing my relationship to motherhood, as well as my relationship to the world of work and what I believed was possible for me in my career. This was a very incredible session for me and really enlightening. And it was actually only a few months after having this conversation that I consciously and intentionally became pregnant with my first child. And I'm feeling myself get a little emotional already. And my transition into motherhood was difficult and it was hard. And I was a master's student living out of state, away from family. And um It was difficult. It was. It was always going to be difficult with the situation that we you know we were living in, and what that looks like to move from maiden to mother. And uh, it was also difficult because of my belief systems, because of my hangups around all of these things. And I, and I left, right? Like I didn't leave my family, but like I left and I went back to work. My daughter was eight months old when I went to work full time after graduating and my husband transitioned and he became the stay at home parent and the primary caregiver. And he still is to this day for our children. And I am the breadwinner. I am the high achieving. I am the hyper career focused, I have this sexy corporate job. I'm, I sit on boards of directors. I have a business and I, you know, I'm a network astrologer and, and I do all of these things, right? Um, and so this is working out for me so far. Yeah. Like I, I, I get to be the mom and I get to have this career. And I didn't realize that I was still having these big issues. Like it's still sometimes very hard and confusing for me to navigate being able to show up feminine in the workplace. Because I have this belief system, right? Like I need to be masculine. I need to be taken seriously. and sometimes that means prioritizing work over my family. Sometimes that means uh, not being open or taking care of myself. Like for example, when you are a mother who is breastfeeding a child and you are pumping at work, you have to do that consistently and you have to feed yourself really well and you have to hydrate really well in order to maintain your supply to like feed your child. and pumping is not pleasant. And it was a big value of mine to breastfeed my child, and my children. And I found myself compromising that value and making decisions which harmed my ability to do that successfully because I prioritized work over that. I also had a really long commute at the time. And this has kind of been a theme that has come up for me, um, you know, feeling disconnected from family, feeling detached from family, overvaluing the getting up and leaving and going and doing my own thing. Now I want to be clear that like, I'm not demonizing this belief system or this behavior. What I am doing is I'm recognizing that this was an imbalance of energy. This was prioritizing and overinflating implied worth of the divine masculine, which is linear which is binary which is you know narrow-minded and focused i don't mean narrow-minded i mean go out and do the thing it's a one track mind it's a one step at a time right that's what i mean by narrow it's it's go and do this thing first go and do the one thing whereas feminine energy moves out in all directions all at once and it's it helps prioritize connection and it's about balance and it's about being able to hold space for a lot of things it's about prioritizing nourishment and nurture and this was what i didn't realize i hadn't healed part of me was like well i had the babies i'm fine now right like i had the babies i'm good I'm healed. <laughs> like I, I got to be feminine again. Um, but it really was impacting the way that I showed up at work. It was impacting the way that I showed up at home and that was difficult. So, uh, on mother's day, I found myself vacationing and, um, I had plans to have a psychedelic experience with plant medicine and, And I was really excited about it. It was like Mother's Day. And so most people like want to go be like with their moms. But for me, it was like, it's Mother's Day. I'm leaving my family to go have like a trip and to reconnect with myself and to have like a, a spiritual experience. And so I had had an experience earlier that day where I went to do a hike at a sacred site, which according to the lore and the legend was a sacred site that embodied it's a vortex. So it's like a focal point of feminine energy. Specifically earlier that trip, I had been in a masculine energy vortex and I did have a totally different experience in each of them in the masculine energy vortex. I was very much in my head. I was very chatty. I was very talkative. It was very like, where are we going? What's the next step? Where are we moving? Read the map. Um, whereas the following trip, the following like hike that we did was in a feminine energy vortex and it was a lot more introspective. I was a lot more in my heart space. It was almost like I was walking without thinking, but I was still having, I was like still conscious. Like I felt like I was having a lot of feelings and experiences as opposed to a lot of like analyzing my thoughts or trying to come to conclusions It was also a a more obviously marked trail. And so I didn't have to think as much. I was able really just to like follow my feet and really be super present and connected to the environment that I was in. And it was, it was really beautiful. It was a really cool experience. Um, later that day, I went to a tattoo shop and I got my sternum tattooed and I got the Sanskrit symbol for the heart chakra um, tattooed on my sternum and it was a very heart opening experience for me and that aligned with it does align still with my spiritual practice and the way that I worship and conduct ritual and live my life and, and things like that so I got the tattooed on my chest and then that night is when I took the psychedelic. I'm like, how do I say this? That's like, that's when I, um, decided to have a psychedelic experience. And the immediate thing that happened for me, I've done this a few times and each experience has been different in their own right. But this one was unique in that I had already had all of these experiences leading up to it. And then I had just like tattooed my chest. And so, um, there was heat on my heart and there was scarring on my skin and there was like this stuff going on. So at the very beginning of the trip, it was immediately grief. It was like, I, I did feel sick to my stomach. I was puking. What I swear was just straight cumin. I don't even know what I ate, but like that was all that it tasted like was I was just puking orange cumin and orange is really important because I don't know that it was orange right? But that's what I saw. And I thought even as I was sick to my stomach, that this was a sacral chakra, that this was a heart chakra. But that was a moment of sacral chakra moving through uh, my feelings that was moving through energetic blocks as it related to my creativity. And it was all womb energy. It had a lot to do with love, though. It had a lot to do with the love that I felt um, for, for my grandma who had passed away. And um, and that's what was coming up for me, which is this immediate awareness of like, oh, it's going to be that type of experience. Okay, here we go. Um, purging all of that energy, that pent up energy that was keeping me from really having the fullness of that experience. And I had this moment where the recognition that I was not going to birth children again, which is ultimate creativity. And I loved being pregnant. I had a really, I mean, I was sick. Like I was super sick when I was pregnant, but like I loved being pregnant and I loved that form of creation and I loved the birthing experience and the type of initiation that I felt like I went through when that happened. And there was the initial grieving that I would not have that experience again and realizing all the implications that came along with that. And then when I moved through that grief, it was my grandma who came through to me and it was the It was the sadness of missing her. It was the feeling of loss for a very important matriarch in my life. We're going to get through this, guys. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> um and, and that's really significant because this grandma in particular was one that I was very close to growing up. And there were moments in my early twenties where I lived far away from my parents, but I lived really close to my grandma and I lived with her for a moment. And, um, we had experienced like loss in our family together and we like grieved together and healed together through that. And she was a Taurus and she always had a plate of food for me and she like really cared for me. And so part of when my grandma, her spirit and her energy and when, the trip brought me to this moment where I was grieving her loss. It was also about honoring her legacy. And this grandma in particular was one where she was a nurse, but when we would talk, she did talk about being a mother and she did talk about how much she loved being a grandma, but my grandma loved her job. My grandma really, really loved her job. She found such a great sense of meaning and purpose and satisfaction frustration for sure she was a nurse but like she really enjoyed the work that she did and she knew that she made a difference and I loved hearing her tell stories about times that she just kicked ass at work and she got to be both like I really saw her be both like the loving matriarch who prioritized families getting together who was always feeding people who always had food in the house as well as being this woman who loved her career and found success and satisfaction in it. And as I was grieving her, I had this strong sense of like the baton passing almost, of like recognizing that I have fully accepted what I feel I am meant to do in my career in this lifetime. I feel more clear about that now than I ever have before. And I'm open to it changing and shifting as of course it will. But I, this was the moment, this was like the catalyst where I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing in my career right now. I know exactly what I need to be doing. And what I'm not clear on is how I'm showing up as not just a mother, but as a matriarch in my family. And this would be true whether I had children or not. And part of this is my family legacy. Part of this is my growing up in the religion that I did and having generations belong to that religion and the belief system around women, as well as, you know, the society that I live in. And and part of this is my value as well, but like just recognizing that there is an expectation about being a mom and what it means to be a mom, what it means to be a woman, what the responsibility is and what that means. And this does connect to like that divine feminine archetype. Now, I want to be clear that I am speaking specifically to a system of belief that I was raised in. I don't currently hold all of those philosophies and I'm always open to those changing, but this concept of divine feminine and divine masculine energy that exists within all of us. We all have these archetypes, these energetic principles that live within us. And I mentioned that I had an imbalance. I had a prioritization and a value system where if it felt like divine masculine, if it felt like the emperor, it would always win. I would always value that more, so I would let it guide my decisions. I would let it be, you know, the one that prioritized my time and my energy. But this was the trip. This was the psychedelic experience. This was this was one of the rawest moments of grief and therefore healing that I had ever felt in my life. This was the most heart-opening and also gut-wrenching experience. And I came home with a renewed commitment to my work and a renewed commitment to prioritizing my role as a matriarch. In the family, not just my family, where I actually birthed children, but to my cousins, to my parents, to my siblings. I am so often the only woman in the workplace, and I'm actually really grateful. I work with a bunch of gentlemen right now who I think have a really beautiful balance of these energies within them. I hear them expressing love and gratitude. I hear them prioritizing connection. And those are more of that divine feminine that is the empress, making sure people feel safe, making sure that people have their needs met, making sure that relationships are not damaged for the sake of productivity and deliverables. But that's what it was. That's what it was for me. It was this, it was this wild trip after that. Um, it got rough. I started seeing, like, I've heard people say that they start seeing clowns and stuff like that. And I was like, "Oh, that sounds, well, that started happening. So it did get freaky. I did feel like I was stuck in a loop, but the beginning of it was just very much about, um, it was just very much about grief. It was very much about letting go. And it was very much about like, and, and, and this is what's happening, right? With like the lunar nodes, this is what's happening with the South node in Scorpio and the North node in Taurus. The South node in Scorpio is like, are you willing to let go of these intrinsic beliefs of these emotional patterns? Are you willing to acknowledge where these loops have put you into a state of like rot where you need to clear out the old Can you acknowledge when this is harmful? Can you acknowledge when this is unhealthy, when this is no longer serving you? Can you acknowledge that it's time to let this go? Are you willing to see it transform and transmute into something new, right? Scorpio is the compost where everything goes down and is turned over again into a rich soil where things in Taurus might grow and blossom. And that's really what this experience was for me. It was about being able to recognize these emotional patterns that I got stuck in as a reaction to the way that I perceived messaging growing up. So that way I could open myself up to receiving something new, to seeing opportunity, to seeing the abundance, to recognizing that I am all of it. I am all of it. And you are all of it. And my grandma was all of it. Right? And, and that we have the capacity to, to grow into like whatever we want when we're open to clearing out all of that old stuff that's really holding us back. So. That was a lot. I almost cried there. I did a little bit. Nothing fell out of my eyes. Um, really tough but um, I don't know how to end the episode. Thanks for listening. That, that's That's what it's all about for me. That's a big motivator of why I do what I do. And also why I think that the fourth house in your natal chart is so important to consider when you're talking about career. This is where I do these astrology readings and I only have anywhere between 30 minutes to 90 minutes with a client. And I'm like, look, if we're going to talk about your career, we got to talk about every single house in your chart because you bring your entire self to work. You bring your entire self when you make decisions about your career and about work. When you show up at home, you are ideally leaving work at the door, right? But when you show up to work, you're bringing your whole self in. And so the fourth house is our ancestry. It's our parents. It's our grandparents. It's, um, you know, the values that we were born into, the generational traumas that we bear and the cycles that can be broken and getting into career genealogy, getting into really understanding what, what has that looked like in my family and how does that impact how I make decisions today has been incredibly healing for me. I've used career genealogy with counselors. I've used it with clients, and I have also used psychedelics and plant medicine to help facilitate states of consciousness, which allow me to grieve and to move through really intense energetic and emotional blocks. And I am not offering the latter service, but if you are interested in the former, if you are interested in doing some more, I don't want to call it like ancestral healing, but if you do want to look at your ancestry and your family lineage and identify where those blocks might be coming in, um, and being able to uncover what is there, so you can break the cycle and begin something new, where you can let go of what is no longer serving you because it is rotting, and compost that, transmute it, and turn it into professional alchemy. Then you can find ways to work with me on my website, thatwhichfromwork.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained valuable insights into the world of personal and professional alchemy. If you want to stay updated on the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and turn on notifications. I'd also love to connect with you on social media, and you can visit my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com to find other ways to connect and work with me. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics, so please let me know in the comments on this episode what you're interested in. Until next time, keep working your magic and casting spells of success in your career and life.